0: Section three of Birds and Nature, Volume Ten, Number Three, October nineteen o one. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rachel Evangeline Barham. The yellow-bellied flycatcher, Empidonax flaviventris. The yellow-bellied flycatcher with the kingbird, the phoebe, and the wood pewee belongs to a family of birds peculiar to America, the family Tyranidae, or the family of tyrants. No better name could be applied to these birds when we take into consideration the enormous number of insects of all descriptions that they capture and devour, and their method of doing it. They resemble the hawks in some respects. They are at home only where there are trees, on the outer branches of which they can perch and await a passing insect, and when one appears, they launch forth into the air, there is a sharp, suggestive click of the broad bill, and completing their aerial circle, they return to their perch, and are again on guard. In the tropics, the land of luxuriant vegetable growth, where the number and kinds of insects seem almost innumerable, the larger number of the 350 known species are found. In the United States, we are favored with the visits during the warmer months of but thirty-five species of these interesting and useful birds. As we would naturally expect of birds of prey, whether hunters of insects or of higher animal life, these birds are not usually social, even with their own kind. They are also practically songless, a characteristic which seems perfectly fitted to the habits of the flycatchers. Some of the species have sweet-voiced calls. This is the case with the wood peewee of which Trowbridge has so beautifully written in the following verse. Long drawn and clear its closes were, as if the hand of music through the sombre robe of silence drew a thread of golden gossamer, so pure a flute the fairy blew. Like beggared princes of the wood, in silver rags the birches stood, the hemlocks, lordly councillors, were dumb, the sturdy servitors, in beechen jackets patched and gray, seemed waiting spellbound all the day, that low entrancing note to hear, Pee-wee, Pee-wee, Peer. The flycatchers are fitted both in the structure of their bills and in the colors of their plumage, for the kind of life that they live. The bills are broad and flat, permitting an extensive gape. They live in trees and are usually plainly colored, either a grayish or greenish olive, being not so easily seen by the insects, as if more brightly arrayed. This characteristic is known as deceptive coloration. The yellow-bellied flycatcher has its summer home in eastern North America, breeding from Massachusetts northward to Labrador. In the United States, it frequents only the forests of the northern portion and the mountain regions. In the winter, it passes southward into Mexico and Central America. Like all the flycatchers of North America, The very nature of its food necessitates extensive migrations. Its generic name is very suggestive. It is Ampidonax, from two Greek words meaning mosquito and a prince. Mosquito prince! Major Bendire says, In the Adirondack Mountains, where I have met with it, it was observed only in primitive mixed and rather open woods, where the ground was thickly strewn with decaying moss-covered logs and bowls. And almost constantly shaded from the rays of the sun. The most gloomy looking places, fairly reeking with moisture, where nearly every inch of ground is covered with a luxuriant carpet of sphagnum moss, into which one sinks several inches at every step, regions swarming with mosquitoes and black flies, are the localities that seem to constitute their favorite summer haunts. Surely the name Ampidonax is most appropriate. The nest is usually constructed on upturned roots near the ground, or on the ground, deeply embedded in the long mosses. A nest belonging to the National Museum is thus described. The primary foundation of the nest was a layer of brown rootlets. Upon this rested the bulk of the structure, consisting of moss matted together with fine broken weed stalks and other fragmentary material. The inner nest could be removed entire from the outer wall and was composed of a loosely woven but from its thickness somewhat dense fabric of fine materials, consisting mainly of the bleached stems of some slender sedge, and the black and shining rootlets of ferns closely resembling horsehair. Between the two sections of the structure, and appearing only when they were separated, was a scant layer of the glossy orange pedicels of a moss, not a fragment of which was elsewhere visible. The walls of the internal nest were about one half an inch in thickness and had doubtless been accomplished with a view of protection from dampness. The nests are sometimes made of dried grasses interwoven with various mosses and lined with moss and fine black wire-like roots. Again, the birds seem to have an eye for color and will face the outside of the nest with fresh and bright green moss. In every way, the nest seems a large house for so small a bird. To study this flycatcher, one must seek the northern evergreen forests, where, far from human habitations, its mournful notes blend with the murmur of some icy brook tumbling over mossy stones or gushing beneath the still mossier, decayed logs that threaten to bar the way. Where all is green and dark and cool, in some glen overarched by crowding spruces and firs, birches and maples, there it is we find him, and in the beds of damp moss he skilfully conceals his nest. End of section three. Recording by Rachel Evangeline Barham.